Hey everybody, welcome to another chapter of the book of Sean. Guess who I am? <laughs> Sean, it's good to see you people. I got a great show for you tonight, all right? I'm telling you, this is going to be a great show, great conversation. Jay Tasha is here. Look at her. How do you not love her already, right? Look at her. Look at that smile. Look at that energy. She's full of life. She is a first generation um, immigrant. Uh, and a story that comes along with that is very different than those of us who grew up in this country, right? When you've grown up in this country and you've been here your whole life, your mother was here, grandmother, great-grandmother, you have a different experience of America. And the different pressures come along with being a first-generation immigrant or the children of first-generation first immigrants, right? I want to understand that because we think, we think that being black in this country is monolithic, but it's not. It really isn't. The, the changes, the diversity, the differences, all of them speak to the, to, the, to the panoply and to the myriad of experiences that make us who we are. But there's something about her experience that I'm convinced will connect with your experience. And that is, what do you do when the people who love you the most may love you too much? That was good, Dr. Sean. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. We've all been there, right? Now we're going to get there through Jaytasha's experience, but, but when we all come to that moment together, we all know what it is to have someone care about us so much that they actually start to stifle our possibilities. How do you deal with that? How do you establish your individuality and not turn your back on your legacy, your family, the people who love you? That's a negotiation in the dance. And my sister has had to learn how to do that dance. She's had to learn how to do it well. And we're going to talk to her about how to do it better and how she might emerge up out of all of this being more fully herself. Okay? Because while it is true that she is her grandmother's and her great-grandmother's and her great-grandfather's child, she is also herself. How about that? We're going to do some Ask Dr. Sean later. And, of course, we always start with the headlines because there's a lot going on in the world. Okay? There's a lot going on in the world. And, and people pay me to talk about it. Play the bumper, Hailey. <laughs> so, so, so. First of all, let me send my prayers out to the people of Florida who are dealing with uh, what is it, Ian, Hurricane Ian. Did I get it right? Hurricane Ian. Uh, we're praying for all of you. And if you are, <clears throat> excuse me, if you are not um, hunkered down and safe, we need you to do that, right, <clears throat> as soon as possible. All right, let's get to the headline, though. I need some water before I choke. Let's talk about Adnan Saeed. You guys heard about Adnan Saeed? Adnan Saeed was accused in 1999 of killing his, ex, his classmate and ex-girlfriend, Heyman Lee, and was later convicted and sentenced to life in prison for the crime. Mr. Saeed has always proclaimed his innocence. And for the past 23 years, uh, he's been telling people that he didn't do it. A lot of us got to know this case because of the very uh, because of the first season of the very famous podcast serial, right, which thoroughly examined the case and uh, and all of the evidence against him. Well, on Monday, his Adnan Saeed's conviction was vacated in part because of the publicity garnered by that podcast to this case, but also because, and perhaps more importantly. It turned out that the prosecutors withheld evidence which may have exonerated this man. You heard me. The prosecutors in the case withheld evidence which may have exonerated this man and had him, had him out of jail 23 years ago. It's alleged that the prosecutors knew of at least two other alternative suspects other than Mr. Saeed and withheld the information from the court, from Mr. Saeed, from his attorneys. They acted like it didn't exist. And you don't get to do that. OK, in discovery, you have to turn over. And I'm not a lawyer, but but in discovery, you got to turn over everything. I know that much. <laughs> you, you don't get to hide stuff. How about this? See, this case goes to show and this is why I'm talking about this. It just goes to show that while we would like to believe that the criminal justice system has integrity and that there are good people in it and that people act with virtue and all of that. The reality is sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes people act within the criminal justice system as if they have carte blanche and privilege and as if the rules don't apply to them. And that's why I'm indelibly clear that when it's all said and done, 
Just because the police say it happened or the prosecutor says it happened doesn't mean that it's true. There was a time maybe in this country where if the police said it or if the prosecutor said it, people were more likely to believe it because it's a police officer or it's a prosecutor. Now we know better. And this case shows us that if prosecutors are willing to withhold evidence to keep a man, allegedly anyway, to keep a manager for 23 years. Oh, no, you don't get the presumption. You don't get the presumption of virtue after you've done something for 23 years. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? And, and, and this is important, beloved, and I'll tell you why. Because we can no longer believe that objectivity or independence of, of virtue, no, 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 all that's out the window. And now what we need is no longer belief. We don't believe it because you said it. And the criminal justice system should not be based upon belief anyway. It should be based upon evidence. So just because some straight white man got up in court and said something doesn't make it true. No more than it's not true because someone who is not straight, not white, and not male said. You follow what I'm saying? Evidence. How about we get to the place where a criminal justice system and cases that come through that system are based upon what the system are, it happens to be supposed to be based upon, and that is clear, cut, put my hand on it evidence. So I wish Mr. Saeed well, and I certainly wish that whoever committed this crime gets held accountable for what they did. But the point is this, just because people have a position doesn't mean that they have integrity, okay? And just because you give somebody a position in your life doesn't mean that they deserve it. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's talk about marijuana. I'm looking over here because this one loves it, okay? This one right over here. Not Jay Tasha. I'm not pointing at Jay Tasha, right? I'm pointing point over here at, at Steve-O. This, this one loves it, okay? I mean, get over it. It's the truth. It'll set you free, son. Get up and give him a praise. <laughs> you don't like this story. All right, listen to this. Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill into law this week that makes California the seventh state that does not allow employees to discriminate against workers who smoke weed off the job and away from the workplace. See, told you. Yes, if you live in California and you like your little cannabis, a little marijuana, as my mama used to call it, your employer cannot punish you or fire you or do anything to you if you like a little puffity puff. Gavin Newsom should get, I mean, you, I'm not a weed smoker, but I'm just saying the weed smokers ought to give him a round of applause, don't you think? You guys running around talking about how politics don't matter, elections don't matter. I bet you like this. <laughs> the law goes into effect January 1st, which means next year. It prohibits employers from hiring or firing or making any employment decisions based upon drug tests that find cannabis. And the drug test is why I'm doing this story. Not because I don't want to celebrate the people who love cannabis. I'm all for it. Do, do what you like. You ain't hurting nobody. Fine with me. But it's the drug test that makes me want to talk to you about this story. Because all of us can remember there was a time in our lives growing up when we had a friend or a family member who couldn't pass the drug test. And we all remember that person couldn't get the job that they really needed to get because of that little irritating drug test. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. All of us have somebody in our family who liked to smoke a little bit of marijuana and they couldn't pass the drug test. And how many opportunities and how many families were affected by that little drug test. And now with just a swoosh of a pen, right, Gavin Newsom has decided that that little drug test should not, should not determine or dictate your life and your ability to provide for your family or for yourself. And I just want to say that that should have happened a long time ago. Here's the part where you applaud. Go ahead. <laughs> that should have happened a long time ago. And you know why? And you know why? Because that little drug test never checked for alcohol. I'm just waiting for you. I'm waiting. That little, that little drug test, it only checked for what? Cannabis and all, and all, all of the so-called drugs that poor black and brown people and poor white. It, 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 didn't, it, did, it, didn't, it didn't check for alcohol. So you could have been a raging alcoholic, a raging alcoholic and gotten the job. And many of us know people that we used to work with who were raging alcohol, who were raging alcoholics who had the job. 
Here's the point I'm trying to make. Now, I don't think that you can smoke weed. I don't think you can smoke weed while you work. <laughs> so don't take this too far, people, okay? Because you'll mess around and get fired. But what it does mean is that things do change. And that we finally are starting to realize that marijuana has nothing to do with your capacity ultimately to, to do a good job. You know, the 80s and 90s were some of the most regrettable moments in the history of America because of the war against drug and the drugs. And the only thing worse than what happened in the 80s and 90s with respect to the war against drugs was how many people were actually addicted to drugs. But instead of dealing with the cause, we, we focused on the cannabis. And maybe now that a lot of people are smoking cannabis and you know doing all the oils and all of that, Maybe instead of criminalizing the cannabis, we should focus on why people need it in the first place. That's what we should have done in the 80s and 90s, and hopefully that's what we'll do now. Because there's a lot of despair in the culture. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of suffering in the culture, and people are needing sedatives and things to wake them up and make them happy. That's the part that should concern us. Not the cannabis, but the need for the cannabis. All right. Let's move on to my favorite subject. Jake Tasha, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about because uh, I'm not big into social media, and, uh, but I wanted to bring you this story. So have you heard of the new social media platform called Be Real? Have you heard of that? Jake Tasha hasn't heard of it either. I had not heard of it either, my sister. Well, apparently there's a new social media app that's giving TikTok a run for its money, um, and it's called Be Real. And the secret to its success is that it prompts users once a day to share a quick photo from wherever they are, uh, from wherever they are and whatever they happen to be doing. So apparently the, the app uses <clears throat> your front and rear camera simultaneously, allowing you to overlay a selfie um, over an image of wherever you are. So I, I, I don't even know how that's unique or different or special. Sounds like what you normally do anyway, but apparently this is a newfangled thing and everybody's just really happy about it. Okay. And the new, and, and the new, this new social media app, Be Real, is it's giving TikTok a run for its money. And y'all remember me telling y'all, because some of y'all love TikTok, that one day TikTok is going to end up like Facebook. It's going to end up just like Facebook because something new is going to come along because life changes, right? Life is always producing new things, new opportunities. new. And so I didn't know it was going to happen this fast, but apparently Be Real, Be Real has TikTok so nervous that now they're mimicking, TikTok is mimicking what Be Real is doing with this particular feature. So is Instagram. Now, I, don't, I, I don't even know anybody who even, you have Be Real on your phone? Have you ever heard of this? I'm breaking news everywhere. <laughs> I'm breaking news on the camera. I'm breaking news in the studio. But listen, I don't think this app is a good idea. Okay. I got to go to a break, but I need to rant a little bit. I don't think that more apps convincing people randomly to share more photos of where they are and what they're doing is a good idea. Didn't we just have a rapper die because somebody in his camp shared a photo of where he was and what he was doing? I don't think people need to know what you're doing all the time, okay? I love you to death. You're my beloved. When you come when I call you beloved, I love you to death, but I don't want to know where you are all the time. I don't need to know what you're doing, okay? And, and not because you're not special in the, in, the great, in the grand scheme of things, in the kingdom or the ecology of heaven and the strategies of greater things than that, but because I don't think you're that interesting. <laughs> Nobody's that interesting that I want to know what you're doing all the time. And don't be offended by that. You know why? Because I'm more focused on what I'm trying to do with my life than I am focused on where you are and what you're doing with yours. <laughs> and that's what I want to invite people to do. Stop rushing to look at what other people are doing and stop rushing to feel that you need to share what you are doing and build the life that you want and learn how to keep some things to yourself, okay? What is wrong with people where we think we gotta share everything? Every time you, you, know, every time you pass gas, you, the world doesn't need to know all of that. We don't need to know. We have no vested interest in that, okay? 
I listen, be real, maybe giving TikTok a run for its money. But if this is what the app does, as I have described it tonight, I don't think I'll be getting it because I'm not. You don't need to know what I'm doing. <laughs> you just don't need to know. You don't need to know where I am. That's too much information. OK. And anybody who thinks the world should know and deserves to know is somebody who loves attention and needs attention way too much. And if that's you, you should probably come on this show and ask me a question and I can help you. <laughs> because when it's all said and done, attention does not make a life good. What makes a life good is the substance of the character of the life. And you can't get that on TikTok or be real for that matter. Anyway, let's take a break. When I come back, I'm going to talk to my sister, Tasha St. Cyr. We're going to talk about her journey, her family, the legacy, the love, the individuality, the willingness to do some things that other people may not understand. I'm hoping to encourage her tonight. I'm hoping to listen to her heart tonight. I want to listen to her story, and I want you to fall in love with this great woman's story. Because on some level, she represents all of us who know what it is to have love, but to also have an ambition. How do you negotiate the two? We'll be right back right after this. So the experience of being black in this country or brown in this country or anything in this country, as we know, is not a monolith. Different families, different people have different journeys. And the more we learn about each other's journeys, the more we begin to understand more about our own what my guest is here tonight because I'm interested in this story. Welcome to the show tonight. Jaytasha St. Cyr. Hi. Thank <laughs> uh, you for having me. It's my pleasure. First of all, I love your smile, by the way, just so you know. Thank you. <laughs> Am I making you blush? <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. So we start out with good, positive energy um, because... You know, it's, it's just important to be able to, to do that. So listen, you're here tonight because a part of what I want to do is I want us to have this conversation uh, on a couple of levels. So so just just follow my lead through this. Um, I was I was, you know, I'm born and raised in this country. So so were my parents. Right. Uh, so were my grandparents. You have a very different experience. Um, talk to me about the pressures of growing up in an immigrant family. Ooh, that is a loaded question. Um, seeing that I am first generation American and my family is from Belize, uh, my mom came over here when she was about 18 years old. Um, and so at that time, she, you know, it's a different mindset when you come to America to, to grind, to be very ambitious, to either, you know, work in corporate America, to be a lawyer or a doctor um, and to help provide um, and bring, you know, money or anything back home to your family in Belize. So when my mom came out here, she, that was her, that was her determination. Like that was her drive. Um, and so she's been that way since I, since I was born. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about this, I was talking to Hailey, If people watch the show. I'm always saying play the bumper Hailey. Hailey works here. And Hailey's family is also from Belize. So, oh. so, so before, before the show started, I knew I was going to be talking to you about this subject. So I asked him, you know, you know, what, what do you think about this subject? And he said something that I want to I want to ask you about. He said he was talking to a, a relative of his and they were trying to get into the, the mindset of the people who would leave their country. Right. To leave everything that they know and come here. Talk to me about that, because those of us who who were born here, we don't have access to that. I mean, listening to my mom and my aunties and my family like tell their story of coming here to America for you know a better living, a better, um, more opportunities, um, just to understand that like they really were super motivated, mm. and so there's no there's no time for failure. There's no time for to to not be successful. It's like they have to go hard, and their mindset is like we gotta go, we gotta do it. Um, and so that is kind of what was pushed on to me. And I'm just scared. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. I love let me tell you what I love about that moment is, is that you what you just gave me was was a rich and honest response to mm. that kind of historical, even family pressure. Right. 
We got to be successful. We got to win. We got to succeed. But you get to a place where it can be exhausting. Am I right about that? It can be. It can be very overwhelming. I'm always there. I'm the one that's always there for my family. Like I'm helping my mom with what she's doing or helping my family with whatever they're doing. And it's, it's, it's exhausting. Mm. So, so is it the case that families, immigrant families, and I'm, I'm using your family to be emblematic, right? Obviously your family doesn't represent everybody, but I'm using y'all as a metaphor. Is, 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 is it your experience that in most cases, um, immigrant families go so hard and are so driven because they're running from failure or is it because they're running to success or both? I believe, I believe more so they're running to success, mm. um, you know, to make a better life, a better living, to bring opportunities. Um, like, like I said, my mom, she worked in corporate America, but then she started a family business um, called Little Blee's Restaurant, um, which has been su- succeeding so far for 10 years. You know, usually restaurants fail in the first year. Um, and so with that, like her motivation, her determination, um, is she's running towards success. Mm-hmm. Now that's interesting because one would think that you leave a country your home country, the country where you're born, where the people know you and knew you before you knew yourself. I would think that the only reason to leave my home country would be because of some catastrophic failure or something I don't want to live with or be bothered with. Or are you, are you saying that, that in a lot of cases, that's not what motivates people to leave? It's it's because America is the the land of the great, you know, so people want to come out here for more success for to gain the opportunities that America has to offer. Unlike Belize, which just recently got its independence in 1981, um, we were, you know, with rest in peace to Queen Elizabeth. But yes, we were under Great Britain. And uh, so to come to America, the land of the free is definitely like. To, to succeed in life. Okay, so so t- take us into this now. Okay, so I, I've got I've got a lay of the land, and I'm really clear. Like you've really helped me understand just a little bit about the immigrant mindset and the drivenness and what the motivations and intentions are. So let's so let's 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 put the rubber on the ground. All right, and 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 don't 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 get specific to any one person. But 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 what were some of the pressures that you faced growing up? Like. What were the what what were some of the things people leaned in on that that are just unique to this experience? Education, um, definitely education is one thing that they lean uh, lean on um, out here in America is to go to school, go to college, um, to work in corporate America. That's one thing that they definitely lean on is education. Mm. And I heard that you were pressured to accept a, uh, a corporate job. Talk to me about that. I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, my goal all through school was, I want to go to college to succeed, make my mom happy. And then once I did that, I'm like, oh, I kind of didn't know what to do. And she would like, go get a corporate job. And I'm like, I didn't really want to do that. Like, I, that's not what I wanted to do. Being a millennial, I didn't want to work in corporate America. But, you know, my mom's immigrant mindset of, you know, being going, getting corporate America to be stable, to get, you know, benefits that we have now in America um, was that was her mindset. So I did that job just just to kind of see what it was like, just kind of put a smile on her face to not make her, you know, just just you just got to make your parents proud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you. I mean, yes, yes, you do but only to a certain extent, which is why you're here tonight. Because I wanna, what I wanna do is I wanna represent the other side of that equation, right? Um, because I know you were raised and in, 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 ingrained in the notion of making the family, your parents, your grandparents proud. I'm gonna represent the other side, which is, no, you gotta make Tatasha proud. <laughs> I'm, that's, that's what I came to do tonight. I came, I came to speak for the voice of one. So, so, so let me ask you this. When, when you took the corporate job and you did it because, you know, and you had good reasons for doing it, noble reasons, but that's what I mean by good. What did you really want to do? 
I, cause I love to do everything. Like I'm, I'm the person who does everything in entertainment. So I wanted to, you know, be in front of the camera, or work behind the camera or plan an event or help, you know, businesses be very successful in marketing. Um, so that's what I wanted to do, but I've never took full ownership. I'm always helping other people. And so, um, every time I would work my corporate job, I would really want to go help plan an event or go help with another business and, you know, help them succeed and never did anything that was fully ownership for me or start anything from beginning to finish. Um, that was solely mine. Um, and so that's kind of what I wanted to jump out on the ledge and do. So tell me how you learned to betray yourself. <laughs> how do I learn to betray myself? <laughs> By putting other people, other people's feelings before mine, not saying no, always being available for them. Slow slow down, because I said it that way to get a reaction. Um, (laughs) Because, and I say say why, and I don't mean it pejoratively, but you sound very clear about what you wanted to do. You sound very clear about what excites you. You sound, when you, when you, when you said it, your eyes lit up. I mean, you talk, you you were talking with your, 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 your hands, your, your whole body was talking because you were very clear about what you wanted to do. And yet you did something that did not make your eyes light up. That did not pull you, pull your whole body into the conversation, which is why I asked you the question. I was being, you know, I was being sarcastic, but also serious. So at what point and how did you learn to betray that part of you? I honestly do not know where that started or how, I did not put myself forward. Mm, mm, mm. You listen, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people watching tonight are exactly where you are because a lot of us, we want to make the people we love happy, right? And yet we also want to make ourselves happy, right? And, and sometimes those two things don't agree. You see, okay, I'm, I'm putting it this way. This, 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 this is going to bless you. A yes and no decision they may be, they may be, you know, cumbersome, but they're not always hard. You know, a yes and no decision. When it's a yes and a yes decision, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Choosing between what I love and what I hate is easy. Choosing between what I love and what I love more is really hard. And that's where you are <laughs> because you love your family, you love your legacy, you love your heritage, but you also love some things that they don't necessarily understand or approve of. Am, am, am I doing good? Am I doing good? Yes, yes. I love both, and it's hard to decide which one to put forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which is why I asked you. There's always a method, a method to my, ma- my madness, Jay Tasha. Which, which is why I asked you, about the mindset of the people who left Belize, the mindset, the spirit, the intention of the original people who left their home and came to this country. And I asked you about that because, and I gotta take this break after this, because I'm sure that there were people in, in Belize, back, at, back, you know, back where the family comes from, who did not want them to do it. I'm sure that there were people who said, you are crazy. What are you doing? You have your support here. You're here. All, this is where we're from. And guess what the people in your family did anyway? They went to America. They went to America. We're we going to unpack that and what that means right after this, because there's a lot of wisdom in that. Don't y'all go nowhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to J. Tasha St. Cyr. I like saying your name. <laughs> so when, when, when we took our break, um, I asked you about that original act of courage, which was also, and his, uh, this, this is how I was trying to frame it, an original act of defiance. So when I put it in that context, how does it strike you? Um, for act of courage, I would have to say, you know, seeing that my family came all the way out here, with, even though they had support in back at home in Belize to come out here and be so uh, just trying to make it out here and being very successful at doing it. I feel like the, they have a lot of courage that 
I wish I had all the time. Um, and it's not easy, you know, trying to find your own way to juggle. Jay Tasha, hold on one second, because you do have it. And this is, this is where I got to stop you. You do have it. You just don't know that you have it or you're not tapping into it. It's, it's in your bloodline. It's in your DNA. You come, you, come from, you come from people who know how to take a long leap in the dark. You come from people who can leave comfort and security and, and, and go to another country and establish themselves. That, that's who you come from, okay? You, you have that courage. What, I, what I'm, what I'm here sensing tonight is that you haven't given yourself permission to always act on that courage that you have, which is why I framed it as an act of defiance. When, when, when your family came to this country, it wasn't just courageous. It was also on some level defiant because somebody didn't want them to come. Somebody wanted them to stay home. And yet they said, no, I have to do what I believe, wait for it, listen to this, will add to the legacy of this family. Right. You feel me? Right. And that's how I want you to see what you want to do that may not be in line with what they want you to become or do. That you are not just an inheritor of the legacy, that you add to it when you sometimes go a different way. Well, they are inspiring me and the inspiration behind them doing that, that courage is very inspirational to take that leap of faith, that step forward. And like you said, it is in me. So I, I took that step. I, went, I, I made a step forward to try to be successful or to own my own business and, and follow in their footsteps. Um, but at times it could be very, very hard to juggle between the two. Mm. Are you are you good at are you good at telling people no? No. <laughs> I just said no. You just said no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why do you think you have uh, some trouble with that? Because my love for helping people succeed um, to it's to to not miss out on being a part of someone's success, I guess. It's hard for me to say no. Yeah, yeah. No, and I get that. But I also understand that sometimes loving someone is telling them no. Mm. Let, let, let's, let, let's, let's go through a couple of examples, okay? Um, okay? I come to you, I say, Jay Tasha, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about just riding my bike off the, off the end of this cliff. You think that's a good idea? No. Okay, uh, I'm not done. Uh, Jay, 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 Jay Tasha, I'm uh, I'm really I'm really thinking about cutting my nose off. Yeah, you know, I don't like it. I've never liked it. Um, you think that's a good idea? <laughs> no. <laughs> I got one more for you, Jay Tasha. I met somebody really cute. I'm thinking about giving them all my money. You think that's a good idea? Is it me? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, that was the best response. <laughs> Other than you, the, 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 the reaction would be what? No, right? No, no. Because, and and I'm, no. Being, I'm being verbose and silly, but sometimes we protect people and we love people and we honor people when we tell them no. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes telling you yes to some things is not the way that I honor my love or show my love for you. Sometimes the only way I can love you is to say, you know what? We've got to draw a little boundary right here because this little boundary is going to keep you safe on that side. It's going to keep me sane on this side. So, so what I'm saying, what I'm trying to get you to understand is when you tell people no or that, or that I can't do that or I can't do it that way, you're not dishonoring them. You're not not loving them. What you're saying to them is, I also love me too. But I don't want to let them down. But it's okay to let yourself down? No. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not okay. You, you, you have to choose. Yeah. You can't love everything equally and be devoted to nothing. You can love your future and you can honor your past, but you got to be clear before you get in the moment which one you're going to choose if you have to choose. You're right about that. Right, right. I, listen, I've had to do it. Trust me, I've had to do it. And, and choosing your future 
what I'm, what I'm trying to say tonight is choosing your future is how you honor your past, not how you dishonor it. So I should just take my leap of faith and the courage and the inspiration that my family has and do what I need to do to help the legacy grow on. Yeah, because if you don't, you're going to be miserable. I don't want that. Right. Because, because if you don't, you're going to have a life of regrets. Definitely don't want that. I got one more for you. You sitting down, you ready for this? Yes. Because if you don't, you might start resenting the people you love now. Ooh. Yeah. What, what just happened? What, what just, I see your face change. What just happened? Because I've loved them so much and I do understand why if I don't do what's right for me or take the time to do something that I love to do, then I'm going to resent them and then it's going to build up and not be a, a wholesome love family relationship. Like I probably won't even want to be around them because I resent them from not taking my path and following in what they wanted me to do. Yeah, because you believed in them and when you needed them on some level, not on all level, but on some level, they didn't sufficiently believe in you. And what I'm saying, what I'm saying to them, here's the last thing I'm going to give you. This is good. You love your family. I know you do. I can tell you love them and they love you. I can tell from how well they raised you that they love you. So how about we put all this love to the test? Let's test all this love. The love that they gave you, step out and do something great with it. And the love that they have for you will now be tested as you do something that they don't understand. Now, now, now we're going to see how much love we really have. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? You're right about that. Yeah. And, and I believe that your family, they're going to love you and support you they may not understand it. They may not agree, but, they, but they're going to say because it's you, because you're doing it, because we know who you are, we're going to listen. We may look at you a little funny, but you know if you need us, we're going to be there. And if you fall on your face, we're going to be there. And if you fail, we're going to be there. You have something that most people in this country don't have, is that you have a village that, 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 that is rooted in ambition, courage, and love. And I'm saying to you, when you have that, you got to leap. Like God gave you that not to be safe. God didn't give you a family full of courage, ambition, and love to be safe. He gave you that so that you could strike out and do great things. You were right about that. And I didn't think about it that way. But to know that the courage, the inspiration, the support is behind me to take that leap of faith, to know that even if I try to do something and I fail, like they will be there to help me and pick me up or to help me succeed. So yeah. you're right. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm so glad you came on. I got to leave it there. Um, but I hope and pray that going forward, you'll be able to say um, that you love your family and they love you. And now they've empowered you to love yourself as well. Yeah. Okay. My work is done, Jay Tasha. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. It's been quite the pleasure to talk to you. Listen, everybody, we're going to do an aha moment out of this when we come back, because I learned some things from this conversation, some very positive things from this conversation. She's a sweetie, isn't she? How do you not love her? <laughs> we'll be right back. Had a lot of insight in that conversation or came out of that conversation. Let's do some aha moments. So, you know... We all have people who love us and we all have people that we love. And sometimes we think that loving someone means that we agree or that we say yes or that we go along with what they want for us because they love us. But in the great battle between that which we aspire to do to make other people happy and that which we aspire to do to make ourselves fulfilled, I submit to you that self-fulfillment might be a little more important than the fulfillment that we give other people because we did what they wanted us to do. I asked Jaytasha tonight, how and when did she learn to betray herself? And I asked her the question, but the reality is I could ask myself the same question as well as I could ask you because we've all learned how to betray ourselves. We've all learned how to fit ourselves neatly into something just enough to make somebody else happy so that we don't have to deal with all of the rigmarole 
and the backlash and all that comes along when we defiantly step out and go our own way. But sometimes life puts you in a position where you don't have a choice. You've got to go your own way. And I think that that's where Jaytasha is. And I know that that's where she's going to find her own personal greatness. And that's where she's going to add to the legacy of the family. Because how else do we add to legacies except that somebody in the family dares to do something that nobody else in the family has ever done? We don't just inherit inherit legacies, as I said to her tonight. We also extend them. And so if you got to decide between the thing that you love to do and the thing that everybody who loves you wants you to do, choose what you love. All right. Let's do some Ask Dr. Sean. I didn't say play the bumper, Hiley. I, I don't know why I didn't say that. And, and Hiley, I talked about you tonight, you know? You got your, your fellow Belizean sister was on the show tonight. Anyway, you guys always send me great videos. Let's take a look at this one right now. Hey, Dr. Sean. My name is Lola from Houston, Texas, and I need some advice. So the guy I'm currently dating is amazing. However, my family does not approve of him. Do you think that their input should be a factor in if I date him or not? Oh, okay. Well, it's interesting that you say he's amazing and they, and they don't approve. So you think he is absolutely amazing and they don't approve of someone who has constitutive elements, character traits, attributes of what you would consider to be amazing. That's interesting. But to answer your question succinctly, I think that what you think about this person is what matters more than what anybody else thinks about this person. Although, you should have a conversation with your family about why it is they have such a problem with it. Because they may see things that you don't see. Sometimes when you're caught up in the love, the milky malaise of the creature cravings that grabs us, you know what I'm saying? You just, oh, I love you, it's so beautiful, so wonderful. And sometimes you can't see what other people, what's clear to other people who are not in love. So you shouldn't completely dismiss what they have to say. You should have a conversation about what they think. But ultimately, the decision is yours. It goes back to what we were talking about tonight with Jay Tasha. Other people should not and don't get to decide what it is you're going to do with your heart and with the rest of your life. Because you'll end up resenting them. When you should be mad at yourself for not having the courage or the wherewithal to do what you really wanted to do. Now, let me say it again. You should talk to the people who know you very well about why it is they don't think he's a good fit. Because if they see something that you don't see and it's, and it's a legitimate thing to be seen, that needs to be factored in. But I think it's interesting when it's all said and done that you think he's amazing and they think he's problematic. The truth is he's probably somewhere in the middle. He's probably not as amazing as you think he is, and he's probably not as problematic as they would purport. And that's my question to you, therefore. If it turns out that he's not profoundly problematic and he's not absolutely amazing, but somewhere in the middle, do you still want to be with him? Because people are often not as we believe them to be. And the truth of the matter is when the real person shows up, now we have to make an additional decision. Because the first decision was to date you. But the second decision is to stay with the person who showed up after I started dating you. I wish you well. I think you'll be fine. But talk to your family, though, okay? Because I'm a little leery about them knowing you really well and them not thinking that he's quite suited for you. But they don't get to make the decision, okay? That's your call. And you're responsible for what you decide. Let's take a break. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So let's do some more. Ask Dr. Sean. Someone um, DM'd me this question. Am I doing a video or am I doing a video? Let's do a video. All right. So watch this video with me. Hey, Dr. Sean. I'm Brandon, and I have a question. Outside of salary, what should be the biggest indicator when it comes to selecting a job? Joy, fulfillment, happiness. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If we're not talking about money, then we got to talk about what it is about the job that makes you want to get up and go every day. The culture of the place, the environment, the people that you work with. You follow what I'm saying? There are a lot of things that should determine whether or not you're willing to give your time and attention 
every day of your life, every morning, going into a place to work. It's not a lot of people work from home, but you still got to work with people. You follow know what I'm saying? Are, are you, I, I was just talking to someone who's actually particularly famous, and we were just talking about, because he had some other opportunities to work some, with some other people and some other jobs, and he said to me, the only reason I didn't work with so-and-so, so-and-so, is because I, I didn't feel at home. But when I found the thing that I'm doing now, I felt like I was home. Yeah, that, that is ultimately what you should be looking for. Where you feel like you have found fulfillment. Where, where there's a sense of you that has been addressed and being fed by the thing you happen to be doing. And, and sometimes that, that's, more, that's more important than money. Because m- money is a wonderful thing to get. People pay you a lot of money. It's a beautiful thing. Nobody loves a direct deposit more than me. But the reality is sometimes money ain't enough. It's costing you your peace, your self-respect, your sense of whatever it is you dreamed for yourself. If it's making you anxious and full of fear, then it may not be worth the money that it's paying you. But if the money is good and you can see yourself being fulfilled as part of you that gets something out of this, it's not mundane, mediocre, humdrum, right? Then, you know, it might be something that you need to do. Something that will bless you. Good luck with that. Anyway, someone DM'd me this question. I, I met a woman who I really like. She is 36 years old and has two children by a different men. We've been dating exclusively for three months, and she wants to wait until we are married to have sex. I don't want to be judgmental. But she has clearly given it up. But she has clearly given it up to several men, and I'm not interested in waiting for marriage to have sex. How should I approach the issue without ruining our relationship? Oh, that's just because she's got some kids. I mean, I mean, first of all, let me just let me just let me just get you together real quick before I help you. Just because a person at one stage of their lives used to be a certain way, and she has kids with other men does not mean that she doesn't have the right to adjust or change her way of being in the world. Maybe she's decided that that's not who and what she wants to be, and, and, the, and the way she ended up becoming something she doesn't want to be is not what she's willing to engage in with you. So you should, maybe you should honor the fact that this is someone who has the ability to correct themselves, to critique themselves, and to transform themselves. And maybe you should also consider the possibility that you think and value sex maybe a little more than you should. Sex is important in a relationship. People have it, blah, 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 got it. But if you are determining whether or not you should be with someone based upon whether or not they give you sex before you guys get together, I'm not so sure if you're ready for the, for the kind of relationship that the other person seems to be more prepared for. Here's all I'm trying to say. You have the right to want what you want when you want it. That's fine. But what you don't have the right to do is to demean other people's choices. What you don't have the right to do is to make people feel bad about the fact that they decided to improve some area of who they are. You see, having a conversation about sex is a conversation that you guys should have had when you started this thing in the beginning. Before you ever got to the place where y'all were talking about being serious, you should have talked about sex. And you should have been clear in that conversation the role that sex plays in your life and in your relationship. So here's where you are. Let me level set for you. You are dealing with someone for whom sex is not a priority and for whom being celibate is an important part of who they are right now. That's who you're dealing with. You're dealing with someone who have left to their own devices and their better wishes would rather not have sex with you at this moment until there's more of a commitment between the two of you. That's what you're dealing with. And what you have to decide is whether or not you're going to deal with that. Are you, going, are, you, are you willing to adjust because there's something about the person that makes them worth the trouble of adjusting? Or are you committed singularly and only to the things that you've always been committed to when you come into a relationship. And it's fine if that's the case. It just means that this person is not the right person for you because this person is on a different journey. 
They're going to a different place on the different presuppositions and all of that. And maybe to have what you want, you need to find you somebody else who is more on the level of wherever you happen to be with respect to sex. And I'm not giving any value. I'm not saying one's negative, one's positive. I'm just level setting and giving you the facts. Dealing with someone for whom being celibate is important and being celibate for you is not something that you value at all. Now, are you going to spend the rest of your time trying to talk somebody into betraying themselves? Or are you going to honor what they want and say, you know what? I love you so much, I'm willing to see if I can honor it too. Or you're going to honor what they want by moving on and finding somebody who wants what you want. But what you should not do is spend the next three months or weeks or days trying to convince somebody to violate their principles. Don't do that. Okay? Anyway. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in tonight. I'll be back soon, people. We're going to have more great Book of Sean coming up at the end of the week. Don't go anywhere. We got more great programming for you. Y'all be good to each other, okay? All right? Because when it's all said and done, you got to love each other. Because I love you. Your Post Pilates gear. Those Funkified running shoes. They could all smell like a new car. Thanks to the MyGM Rewards card, you'll earn four points for every dollar spent on all purchases everywhere. And seven total points for every dollar spent with GM. Earn towards a brand new GM ride with every yoga mat and spa treatment. That's the power of appreciation. From us to you. Namaste, y'all. Subject to credit approval. Terms and limitations apply. Visit MyGMRewardsCard.com. For international money transfers at your fingertips, choose Western Union the fast and reliable way to send money to loved ones. Plus, new customers can enjoy a $0 transfer fee until October 31st when sending money online. Visit westernunion.com or download their app to get started today. Services offered by Western Union Financial Services, Inc., NMLS 906983 or Western Union International Services, LLC, NMLS 906985. Term supply, FX gain supply.